the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest today is former EastEnders, Holby City, No Problem and The Real McCoy TV actress, Judith Jacob. Hi Judith, welcome to my podcast series. Good evening and good afternoon and morning. <laughs> well you sound cheery, what have you been up to recently? Uh, well you know we're on lockdown, mm-hmm. so my, my days are, the beginning of my days starts exactly the same. From 10 till, well, I should say 10 till 1, Monday to Wednesday and Friday, I am uh, in a meeting with my girls, the BB crew. We're writing an idea that we've got for TV. And then I normally will have a class. I'll do some training about 2 o'clock. And then after 2 o'clock, after I finish my training, I may do some shopping because going to the shop is an adventure now. It's exciting. Everybody's like, I'll go to the shop. No, I'll go to the shop. So, I go to the shop, point of my day going shopping, and then you stand in a queue, which is also very exciting. You'll see if you're going to be number 10 in the queue, or maybe you'll be right at the top of the queue. It's always an adventure going shopping. That's what it's like. So since the lockdown, has it really impacted on your activities on a day-to-day basis? Has it changed your life in any way? Well, it has changed it because now I'm at home and I used to spend, because I teach fitness as well, and every day you'll get and I go, what day am I on? Where am I going to be? Okay, there's a, so I don't have any of that anymore. The only thing that, the, the biggest impact will be my training because we used to do some group training and we'd use, so I can't do spinning anymore. I can't swim anymore, but I'm able to do other stuff. So that's, I mean, the only thing that I talk about, anytime people talk about this, is my training, because that's that's the bit that, that's the most important bit, is the training. So, as long as I can get my training in, because nobody's working, so that's fine. I don't mind that bit, but I must be able to move my blood in sweat. Well, you're still keeping busy, though. So, Judith, where did you grow up? London, in Fincher Park. Ah, what about brothers and sisters? So, I've got my older brother and sister, Matt, Elliot and Cynthia. They were born in Grenada. And then they came over to England. They were very young. And and then there's myself. And then there's my Janice and Mandy. My brother Elliot and my sister Janice are no longer in this world. And when Cynthia and Elliot came to England, I just remembered there was quite a few children that had come over the same time and we were in our house. And it just looked like there was a pick and mix going on. People were deciding which child they wanted to keep. So I saw people that I found that was my aunts and stuff and uncle. They were going, are they having this one, having that one? And then we were left with two. And I thought, oh, these were the ones that nobody else wanted. But actually, they were my brother and my sister. That's why they stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I grew up in Fisher Park with my brothers and sisters. So when you were at school, what were your favourite subjects? At school, my favourite subject was drama, even though, that, and I'm talking about primary school, I'd done all the plays at, drama, at primary school. And English, because it was about the creativity, because I thought I, was, I just loved writing stories and novels, and they all were convinced I was going to be a writer of some sort. And maths, and don't ask me why I liked maths, I just did like maths. Those are the subjects that I liked. So what inspired you to become an actress, and when did that happen? I wanted to become an actress when I was at my primary school, when I was doing all my school plays. There was a, a nurse's series called Julie, yeah, Julie. It was an American and it was Diane Carroll who was the lead in it. And I just remember watching this and thinking, I can be an actress because I saw her on there, which made, I wanted to do it before because it was Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. They were my two standout actresses. 
at that time. I was very naive about anything to do with their own personal things. But they were the two women that I really adored as actresses. And then when I saw Diane Carroll in Julie, that's when I went, oh, I can do this. I can do this too. So I then I thought, right, okay, it, it, it's possible that I can be an actress because I saw a woman of colour. So a black woman on telly, same as me. So I thought, yeah, I can do it. And I, I wanted to do it from the moment. The moment I saw her, I knew it was possible for me to do it. And my gorgeous, lovely dad said, who you see on telly that's black people? Don't be stupid. Get a proper education. Well, I had no choice anyway. I think every Caribbean parent made sure that their children were schooled at home and at school. It was ridiculous. And so my dad was like, no. Whereas my mum said, I don't want you to not have something in your life that you didn't even try to get. So she made sure that it could happen because I was at Anna Shear's theatre and we had to pay, and I say I was at Anna Shears, I had to wait six months to get into Anna Shears. And that, I found that was a very little time in comparison to later on when people were waiting years to be able to get into Anna Shears. But anyway, so to be at Anna's, you had to pay. It wasn't a lot of money. I think it may have been like £1.50 or even £2 to go and do a class there. But it was a lot of money for home. But my mum said, no, go and do it. Then I had an audition. 13 play called Jumping Beanbag. It was a BBC play for today. They used to do a play for today those days. And my character was in love with Donny Osmond. Why? I don't know. We had Jackson's Five. It was much more important to be following. But hey, she was a Donny Osmond fan. And my first line was about going down to... See, I can't remember what I'd done yesterday, but I could remember the line was about going to pay my rent at the post office for my mother. Madness. So, and that play was called Jump... It was changed to Jumping Beanbag. It was originally called Slagbag. But because it was BBC, it couldn't be called Slag Bag, so it got changed to Jumping Beanbag. But today, Slag Bag would be nothing. They can put that on now, but then... <laughs> that was a definite... Oh, so how many theatre productions have you been involved with before you got your break on TV? It didn't happen that way around. It was the other way around for me. Oh, okay. My break was on TV, and I didn't start theatre until after I'd done Angels, which was the Nurses series. I'd done that for three years. And there was a theatre company called Black Theatre Co-op, and my friends was in there, like Victor Romero Evans and Chris Cummins, because they all went to Anna Shears as well. So they were there, and they were trying to get me in to come and do a play, but I couldn't because I was busy in Angels. So I hadn't done any theatre until I went to Black Theatre Co-op to do my first production with them. And the first production we died done, Trevor Leard was directing it. Pauline Black was in it. And what was it? Trojans, that was the title of the police. And that was my very, very first theatre production. It was also when I had probably the most, one of the most, the first dramatic thing, because we had an actress who had decided that one of the actors was just not good enough for her. She, he just wasn't good enough. And so when we were on stage performing, I think it was our first night or second night of performing the play, she on stage said, I've had enough of this and walked off. Now I'm on the stage. The second scene comes on, which is just meant to be me and her in it. Lights comes up. I'm on the stage by myself. I'm I'm in panic. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I say her lines, my lines, everybody lines. Whilst I'm standing on the stage, didn't know. Then I went, and went off the stage. Now, as an audience member, you accept what you see because you don't know what's coming. So everybody must have thought, well, that's just part of the play. But my man was in the audience and he was going, why is my girl still crying at the back? What's going on? So it was major. Everything had to stop. The audience were told to go and have a break. We had an early break. And then we just, she was told, the actress was told, you have to finish the play today, finish the performance, and then we'll recast you. I've never seen the 
Like, I've never seen something so unprofessional in my life. And she was trying to say that she was too professional for the guy. But he, it was her, and he ended up going on to do London's Burning, which I thought was very interesting. So how did you get your role in EastEnders? The people that done Angels, the producers, Tony Holland and Julia Smith, they done Angels. They also done EastEnders. And EastEnders was probably just started, like, given birth. And I got a call from my agent saying that... They want to know if you want to do the part. It wasn't an audition. They asked me because they knew me from Angels, whether I wanted to be in it. And I had to think about it because I just gave birth. So, well, my daughter was about nine months at the time of them asking me. And so I thought about it for like, I don't know, two seconds. And I said yes. And then I was in. That was it. Well, you were in EastEnders from 1986 to 1989. During that time acting in a very popular TV soap. Did it affect your personal life in any way? No. i tell you why. Because even though EastEnders was probably the international, global big one, no problem was the one that... Because I'd already done Angels, and Angels was huge. It was it, That was my life changer, Angels, because I no longer went on buses at that sort of stage because it was just too much. I was only 17, people were staring at me. I just could not cope with that. So that was my big one. But no problem was when, even though I had us as African Caribbean people always hailing me up, when we done no problem, it was like it was like I was on television for the first time. It became that was much bigger to me than EastEnders. Even though EastEnders was the big one, no problem, and Angels had already had already laid ground for me. So when I done EastEnders, it wasn't it weren't like a, a thing. I weren't intimidated. I weren't in team because I'd already had that profile from other jobs. During your life journey, has there been a particular life experience you believe dramatically changed you as a person? When my mother died, I was seventeen. My mum my mum never saw Angels. She died the night before it came out. That made me realise that not everybody's gonna be around forever. That that was that was a very traumatic time for me. Because I wasn't at home, I was in Birmingham when my mother died, and I had to get back and all stuff. But yeah, that that was kind of a, a, a big moment. But then I've had I've had my mother die, and then my 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 father died, and my brother died, and my sister died. And when my sister Janice died, she was she was my baby sister because we were both both brought up here in England. So Elliot and Cynthia came over from Grenada and was here. And then Mandy's everybody's baby sister because she was the baby for everybody. But Janice was my baby sister because I was older than her and we both grew up here. So when my sister Janice died, whoa, that that was, um, and still is, and still is a, a painful experience in my head. I miss her dearly, dearly, dearly. We, yeah, I had to, yeah, we had a, a really tight bond, me and Jan, and, and we had lots of arguments. So yeah, Janice, that, the death to me has been the markers in my life. You currently do a radio show. How did that happen? Mm. And what's the station? Right, so I'm on Conscious Radio. And that how I got on radio was there was a guy called Emmanuel. And his dad, his uncle, sorry, was Smiley Culture. And when Smiley Culture had died under all those very strange circumstances, he decided to set up a radio station. Sold in London, I think, or something like that. And he'd got a load of people that had done DJing already. They were presenters already. And he asked me to be a presenter. And I was like, mm, I've never done this before. I don't think so. He goes, oh, you'll be fine. Da, da, da. They got a whole load of us together. And that was when I got the bug. And then the station closed down. He, had, he got too busy. He had things he had to do. and just wasn't going to function. We were doing it from his house. And then I wanted to be on radio after I'd done that. 
I'd done it for like two, three years at that station he was on. And then I, because I know the people behind who who are running Conscious, so I just put the call out and say, look, I want to be on the show, I want to stay on the show. And when the slot came available, I was in. So what time's your show, Judith? So I'm on on Thursdays, 1 till 3 p.m. every Thursday afternoon. And before the uh, lockdown, I used to have guests because I love having what I wanted to use my show for is to highlight all these amazing people that's in our community that's doing stuff may not know their names some of them will know I I don't limit it to people you don't know but I just love to give a platform to people so that's what I did normally with my show of course right now that's not happening and of course I can do it on the phone but I'm not I'm a real I like that vibe you get when you get someone in the studio but I'm going to have to give up that idea very soon and start using the phone to talk to people because getting in that work for a little while now, so I just got to get, deal with the practicalities of life. Well, just like you and I are doing now. So what, exactly, exactly, indeed. So, what other interests do you have besides radio and your keep fitness regime? Well, training is my thing, but and but before reading, I used to read loads of books, loads of books, and then I stopped reading books and just started to read magazines because it was all about fitness, 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 fitness. I started to read all magazines. And whilst we've been off, I picked up a book that I've been saying I must read for ages, The Homecoming. And I'm so glad I've got my mojo back to start back reading. So reading is one. Reading is definitely one. Music is one. And training is a big thing for me. It really is how I breathe, training. But the writing isn't so much a hobby, but the writing, when I'm writing with the BB crew, and the BB crew consists of Beverly Michaels, Suzanne Packer, Suzette Llewellyn, Josephine Melville and myself that writing with my girls these women is always amazing inspirational irritating because you think what you've written is absolutely fantastic and then they go nah that's not working and then you go why and you try to defend your point of view and if you can't defend it and you can't put clothes in your argument it's gone so I love the tester of what that brings to us <laughs> as a group work together and I have to say I enjoy being with the BB crews because it makes us we are, it keeps your creative juices flowing we, we write produce and direct our own stuff and these women, we've known each other for so long. They're actually my sisters. We are sisters working together on a project. So, Judith, what are your plans for the future? What is on your bucket list? Right, the bucket list is to get this show out, what we're writing. We've got a couple of shows. One's for theatre. That can happen because theatres are easier to access than telly because you have to jump through so many hoops. But my future would be for that the show we're working on right now for that to come to fruition and we get to put that out there. That would be... Mm, Mm-mm. The other thing I would really like to do, and there's nothing stopping me from doing it, it's just a case of finances, is to get some land. Grenada is where my parents come from, and every time I go Grenada, I want to be in Grenada. So the ideal situation would be to have a place in Grenada and a place in Gambia. Gambia has become like our second home. We love, love, love Gambia. But I haven't been to Ghana. I haven't been to Kenya. I haven't been to Tanzania. I don't know if I go to those places and then they'll feel like home to me as well. It's only Gambia has just wrapped us up in their arms and made you think, yeah. And so we've made friends over there and stuff. So future, the program that BBC, that the BBC crew are working on to be get that out and be working and that's booming out there to get some land. Well, in Grenada, technically, I have got some land. And I say I, my family have some land, but that's another story. We know what how that goes. And to get something in Gambia, that would be, that's the immediate lookout. Well, that sounds like a very interesting bucket list, Judith. So how can people contact you? <laughs> well, you can get me on Instagram, JJ Yappers. 
uh, what was that? Well, actually, my name. I put my name in for everything. So Judith Jacob on Instagram, Judith Jacob on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, on Twitter, it's JJ Yabbers. But if you put my name in, it will still come up on there, Judith Jacob. I was meant to get a website together, which my girlfriend was quite happy to put for me, which was Suzette Llewellyn from the BB Crew. And I just never got it together. Now she's busy, Miss EastEnder. Mind you, she's off at the moment because nobody's filming. So I should actually get her to do it while she's off. That might be a good <laughs> idea, Judith. Well, Judith, yeah, I think so. thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, darling. Take care now. All right, you too. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.